<laughs> I was counting one and two and three and four and, but I was going <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> it's like all fucked up. You're counting like chants over there. Yeah. Been in the studio too long. Yeah, he's I think uh I think the BPM of the song is uh three ten. No, it's not. It's not three hundred and ten. He just counts faster than the average man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a fucking math whiz. <laughs> fucking blast beats over here. <laughs> <laughs> back oh my goodness boys nick we haven't even talked since the last podcast uh vocally out loud i don't think we have no i can't even. remember the last time we played dark souls 3 because i left you at a spot where you pretty much have to keep playing on your own yeah, have we talked about dark souls in the pod yet uh maybe a little bit i can't remember how much okay all right console crusade podcast ej olson here with nick derheim and chris gilly Four. hey hello the boys are back this is the first time we've all been able to hang out and talk to each other since the last time we recorded a podcast, which was three months ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. It feels yeah, it like I can't believe we're almost out of May. Like this year, anyway, time doesn't mean anything anymore. But we're here. We're gonna meander our way through a little bit of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I've been wanting to talk shit about this stupid fucking fantasy critic league. <laughs> I have been talking shit. <laughs> to y'all via text message, but Chris, what's new with you? Well, I've gone from the opposite side of the continent in North America, from North Carolina up to Anchorage, Alaska for the summer, but who cares about that? Video games. I have been playing a number of things. This is my summer of Switch. I wanted to pack light for my trip up here, and so this is finally my opportunity to get through my Switch backlog, which I am doing. Uh, beat CrossCode. Yo, Nice. Yeah, a thoroughly satisfying uh, final boss encounter. I beat it when I was on the plane to visit family in Portland, and the plane was literally taking off while I was fighting the final boss. So, like, my entire environment is like shaking and <laughs> rattling, and I was like, "This is the greatest fucking thing ever!" Like, it was pretty dope. <laughs> God damn, I can't imagine playing that game all the way through on the the handheld. I played a little bit of it handheld, and good God. It's tough. The last part was fine. And then when I went back and got the good ending, um, I did that on the on the screen. Uh, God, oh, geez, I beat that. I beat my replay of Mario 3D World, including Champions Road, World Crown Crown. I finally fucking beat it. I never beat that level on the Wii U version, and it literally haunted me until I finished it on the Switch that I had never finished this game all the way through. So that's stuff that I've I've finished. I've got some stuff I'm kicking around right now. I want to talk about Super Mario 3D World, which we have not talked about on the podcast. It had not come out the last time we spoke, correct? Yeah. I think it maybe it was like just coming out soon after. So you you beat it, Chris, which is, again, something that I came very, very close to 100%ing. I was in that last special world, which is excruciatingly difficult, but I had 100%ed through that point. And I thought to myself, oh, man, this is going to be the one, dude. I'm going to... It's going to come on the Switch. It's going to look great. I'm going to be able to actually, you know... The convenience of playing on a real console and not, you know, the fucking gamepad, whatever. I was all excited to, to revisit it. And tell me if you feel this way, guys, but the speed increase, which I was really excited for, kind of really changed the game. And I don't think I like it as much as the Wii U version. There are some other quality of life uh, fixes, and I like not having to interact with a touchpad or like blow into the microphone and like shit like that. But 
I don't know if I like it as much. And it, I kind of, I got to like three worlds and then just stopped playing. I didn't really have an urge to go back. And so I, I started, I used to play Toad, which is the fastest character in the game, right? When you're running as Toad now, you cannot fucking play the game. It's impossible. Impossible. So I play as Luigi now because he's the slowest just to, you know, try to get get a fucking grasp on what's going on. But I think it's a combination of the speed increase, but also just like the older I get, the less patience I have. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now I see why people found like the camera frustrating and your death perception gets so fucked up so often that I didn't really have an issue with that before. But now I'm just like, God, why is this happening every time? So anyway, I don't know. Nick, how far did you get? Have you played it at all? Um, yeah, I've been playing it with uh, Lindsay here and there, but haven't played it in a little bit. I think we got to the third world with the the ice and stuff. And yeah, it's I don't know how I feel about the speed increase because it's been so long since I played the original 3D world. And a lot of that I was playing multiplayer, which I think completely changes the sort of how you interact with the game and how you interpret the speed anyway. So I think when I played it initially on Wii U, I don't know what bonus world I got to if there's like more than one, but I just remember the last level I remember playing was with uh, me and my buddy Austin and we were playing the level with the those like spinning logs and you're going over lava, but it's like the colorful lava. And we just played that a bunch of times and I don't think we ever got past it. But and yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's a strange game. The more I think about it, the more I'm not like super in love with the design philosophy of it being like these really big open areas with like nothing to do. And your discovery is pretty much just like poking around the edges. Like you're not really doing any interesting interactions. Like you get the cool sort of gimmicks in each level, but I feel like that's kind of not visited all like all that often like you get a really cool thing with like that ice skate and that's like the last time i interacted with something that was like actually cool otherwise it's just like kind of boring platforming and it's fun because you're playing with someone else if you're playing with someone else but i don't know if i would have the patience to go through this entire game by myself and i kind of felt that way with uh, bowser's fury like i went through that and got the i i beat bowser but i have no interest in going back to actually getting all the rest of the stars because it was just i don't like a free i don't like having to move my thumb from the y button to run to the stick to move the camera that's not my favorite <laughs> i don't like having a run button in an actual 3d mario game so i remember chris uh talking shit about the camera controls in odyssey but like go back and play odyssey now in comparison to this and it's night and day play odyssey in comparison to anything on the 3d uh, all-stars collection either and you'll see that it is clearly the best mario game <laughs> I think it probably has the least infuriating camera odyssey. Um, For sure. At, yeah. You know, I same Nick, it's been so long since I played the original that I, I don't remember the, the speed difference just isn't something to chart for me. And I also have always played Luigi um, because he's number one, but I, <laughs> so I'm not really aware of the speed difference. I did go and look at when I was watching a YouTube video to try and like plan my attack on that last challenge level in world crown where you have to do 30 of those little 10 second challenges in a row. Um, I was right. like, I, I have to know what the ones that are coming up are going to be, or this is going to take me way longer than I want to. And the video I watched was one from the Wii U version. And I was like, oh, my God, this is actually like a fairly substantive uh, update in terms of how pretty it looks, how well it runs. Um, yeah, I definitely had isometric problems where I would jump 
and would just suddenly be like six feet off the level about to float flutter kick to my death without realizing it just because my, my depth perception was so screwed up. Um, eventually I basically just stopped adjusting the camera at all and trying to make straight lines for myself and just let it sit wherever they wanted to let it sit. And, and I, I had a better time than when I was trying to fiddle with it, but mostly it was just my stubbornness and, uh, well, no, pretty much just my stubbornness. I really wanted to finish this game. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah. it's a, the design philosophy. You, you, you mentioned that. I want to speak to that a little bit because I think there's something to this that they freed themselves from this really Mario thing, even in the 3D games of having themed worlds that you're in the water world and you're in the ice world and you're in the sand world. But they didn't really do anything with that once they freed themselves from it, like it just meant that you had like a whole bunch of random fucking levels in every world that had absolutely no cohesion to them. Like even in the ice world, you'll have some levels where you're just not interacting with ice at all and on a hill or whatever. And like now you're in the jungle with the piranha plants and the toxic water or whatever. And so there wasn't really any, any consistency and they didn't use the freedom that they gained by breaking out of the like, world's model to do stuff that was really interesting and unique i thought so definitely not as good as i remember but i still enjoyed my experience quite a lot i think the thing about this game upon revisiting like i think like you guys have both said the flaws have poked out a little more and it becomes apparent that it really is just like it is all about collecting three stars in the stamp that's that's every level is the same your interaction with the enemies is largely the same like Nick said, the level design is largely samey from from beginning to end. There's some interesting things here and there, a couple of cool new mechanics, but it's very the the goal of every level is is exactly the same, and um, the interaction isn't diverse enough, I think, to like be really engaging unless you're playing multiplayer. I think for me, obviously being a nostalgia thing, maybe combined with the fact that the Wii U is like a total boner that I really really wanted to defend and and like find a love for because. You know, Nintendo was dying, quote unquote, and like this console, no one bought this console, and it was like, oh my god, a really good reason to own this console, right? Um, I still stand by it that I think the Wii U version, my my nostalgia for that game, like I still think that's my favorite Mario game, probably, maybe maybe Super Mario World, maybe Mario Bros. Three, I don't know, like, but I I still think it's like at least for me, way more enjoyable than any of the other 3D Mario games, at least in this day and age, and I know they're all very different. Although I did like Odyssey, but you can really see how not only the old 3D Mario games, but also some of the stuff in this game like influenced how they designed a game like Odyssey. It's a lot of the things they were hoping to avoid, and it makes you appreciate Odyssey more in retrospect, which I thought was a largely milquetoast experience. I was like, yeah, this is a Mario game, but now in retrospect, you're like, oh man. You didn't know how good you had it. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I think it goes back to the point that I think a lot of people have kind of belabored, but uh, 3D World is definitely like a new Super Mario game, but in a like isometric 3D. And if you're super into the the new Super Mario games, then that's definitely gonna scratch the itch for you. But for me, I'm largely not that interested in those games. You know, I still stand by it. Super Mario 3D World is the king of Mario vibes, man. The music, the graphics, and I I guess I just like the sort of slow plotting nature. You just kind of bopped along and. I just had a maybe because I smoked a lot of weed when that game came out. 
all those years ago. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. It poisoned your mind. Yeah, I just was like high shit eating Trader Jojo's and like playing Mario 3D World. You know, like I guess that was that's what it was. And all these years I've been like, it's the best Mario game. You're an idiot if you think otherwise. Maybe I'm just. Was just stoned, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I disagree, though. I, I I really don't know if I disagree, and I think that's as much a product of me like going back to the 3D collection, and realizing that none of them are particularly great games. Well, okay, that none of them are particularly excellent games, because I think that anything that's in like the eight nine ranges is a great game. But uh, so then on the weighted scale of me kind of reevaluating what is the plumber's place in the canon of games that are still fun to play that 3D World does kind of rise to the top and it is a gorgeous game. It sounds amazing. Like I never don't have the soundtrack stuck in my head. Um, is it challenging? No, until you get to the bonus content. But like what Mario game is until you get to the bonus content? I mean, I don't think any of them are except maybe Sunshine, which I need to play more of because I think again it could be could be a contender for me. Yeah, it wasn't challenging by design. It just sort of happened to be challenging because they didn't finish it. Uh yeah, no, I mean it's tough because you talk about the goodness or the greatness or the excellency of a game, and I think those three things kind of measure different qualities to a certain extent. Like I think, yeah, Mario games are generally just like really chill, really just fun. And I don't know if uh, 3D World holds up as far as being a replayable Mario game. And I think that's what a lot of Mario games have is just a, a lot of replayability. Like I could hop on and play Super Mario World for the SNES and a lot of that is poisoned by nostalgia, but I'll still have a good time. But I don't know if I can go back and revisit 3D World and be like, oh yeah, I remember this level, I guess. Like, I don't know. I think it's just one of those strange... Uh, sort of side effects of Nintendo porting their entire back catalog from the Wii U to the Switch that this just doesn't hold up as a port because it's just not an interesting enough game to have replayability. We're also obviously in such a minority here that we all played it on the Wii U. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we're the only people who bought that game. <laughs> right. So I think, you know, it's it's a matter of perspective and a lot of people who never played this game are, are really enjoying it, as, as you should. It's a really good Mario game. Yeah, but our opinions aren't those. <laughs> so I, I still want to experience this uh, multiplayer get some friends together and we tried to play online briefly and it was a fucking disaster. Yeah. And I can't imagine that working. Yeah. As, as you would expect. Um, but I want to get in a room with someone shout out. We're all, uh, I think vaccinated now. Nick, you're waiting on your second shot. Is that right? So no, I had mine over two weeks ago. Oh damn. How was your reaction to the second shot? Nothing. It was actually better than the first one. I like my first one. I was sore and I couldn't like lift my arm very easily and I had to work that night. So it was like kind of annoying using my left arm to drive, but uh, the second one was even less. That is, dude, intensive. I was so sick after my second shot. Like two days of like high fever, headache, body aches, just being like totally miserable. And then for like three days after that, because like the third day afterward, I felt mostly normal, but I had to shoot a wedding. So I was gone for like 16 hours that day. It was like a horrendously long day. And for like Sunday and Monday after that, I slept like 10 or 12 hours, got up, ate lunch, took a really long nap, got up, ate dinner took a nap, got up, went to bed like two hours later. I just slept all day for two straight days. It was crazy. But anyway. Wow. Yeah, it was rough, man. It was brutal. But um, anyway, we're juiced up. I want We should get into a freaking room and play. I want to I play this with people and see if that sort of changes my perception of it. Because obviously the game is still as good as it was. It's just a matter of like, 
like Chris was saying, like how do we like rank this? And I don't think that necessarily matters. It's a fun game, but is it a game yeah. that I want to replay? Maybe not as much as I thought it was. Yeah, it all depends on like what your approach is as far as how you want to contextualize your thoughts on yeah. a game, especially a game that's in a long running series like Mario, where the conversation kind of turns to is this better than X, Y, or Z in the franchise? And I think that's a completely different conversation. I think. I don't know if this game is worth the money that I spent on it, but of course I was going to buy it because I wanted to see what was different. And I don't necessarily feel like I wasted my money on the purchase necessarily. Right. So from that context, I guess um, I've also been playing some games. Tell me baby. <laughs> well, like uh, Chris talked about, he beat cross code and I too was playing cross code at the same time that he was because I finally got my physical version of the game. And I'll tell you, that was a really nice experience that had some like really chilled jams had a great vibe, gave me very strong SNES kind of Zelda feelings. I think as far as it being an RPG and having RPG mechanics, I thought that was a lot uh, unnecessary. I don't you feel you like didn't a like lot of the that. Skill like really, trees? Oh, dude! You just ask Chris. <laughs> there, there are five skill trees, and it's too much. It really is way too much, and it doesn't like feel like you have a lot of ownership over the build that you're doing. Like you can sort of spec out in a certain direction, but it still feels like, oh, I have to go this way so I can get a relevant skill in this thing that I'm trying to do. Like, oh, I want to be someone who is just doing melee attacks, but in order to emphasize the melee attacks, you have to go through the the ranged tree to get your attack skills up. It, it's just a little bit annoying. So I didn't really want to interact with that too much. It was just, it's just, it was just bloated, really. Same with there's just a lot of crap you have to pick up all the time. And I think that sort of inflated the playtime. And I don't think I had a bad time playing it. But looking back on I'm just thinking, man, I spent a lot of my time just sort of dashing around hitting these flowers in the environment so I can pick up the shit inside of them. And I don't think that was time well spent necessarily. But I had a cute little story. Uh, had some really beautiful pixel art. I would say it's worth a play especially if you're into the sort of Zelda adventure, action adventure from your. Um, and then also, obviously, I bought Monster Hunter because I'm a big Monster Hunter stan. And it is it is frustrating because when I got into World, everyone that I know also bought World and we all played together and it was fantastic. And this game has not been that experience because nobody bought Monster Hunter Rise that I know. Just <laughs> pretty sad. But I still have had a really wonderful time playing it, and I think it's uh, the best Monster Hunter game I've ever played. And I've only really ever played like 10 minutes of uh, whatever was on the Wii U, and then I bought World and played the shit ton, of, shit ton of that, and then I bought this, and I play a shit ton of this too. You know that you can rope me in with the promise of like actually sitting down and, and playing games with my friends. I'll play any game, even if I hate it. I played Dark, I played half of Dark Souls 3. I only stopped when we, you know we weren't really playing together. I know I'm in a spot now where I kind of have to get through the next part by myself, but like I don't want to do that alone. I want to do it with my boy. Yeah, yeah, and I agree, especially in a game like Dark Souls where it is a linear story game to an extent. I mean, story, but like you, you can beat Dark Souls and then start from the beginning and then you go through it again. Experiencing any sort of linear game like that with a friend is wildly different than playing it by yourself. I mean, think back to playing Halo. And playing Halo like co-op, I mean that's a completely different experience. You know, like you can you you end up strategizing around it being a multiplayer experience, and that changes the the interaction with it. Or playing Mario, 
two player, three player, four player versus one player. It's a totally different way to attack the beast. But in a game like Monster Hunter, where each individual interaction that you're doing is just like, okay, let's hunt this monster. We killed the monster. Cool. That's it. Like, it's like a level based sort of thing where you're just like, let's do this level. Let's do this level. But it's more like a destiny in that way which I know you have a ton of interactions with, like you've played the hell out of that game. Yeah, Monster Hunter is a game that like, when Monster Hunter World came out and you guys were all into it and I went and red boxed it and I just played it by myself for like three hours and I'm like, this is completely convoluted and obtuse and I'm playing by myself. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Not for me. And you played one time with me and then you were not happy with it. So like, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to twist your arm and like be like, you have to appreciate this thing that I like. Because I understand, like, it's a very obtuse, mile deep and mile wide kind of game. Especially, like, there's 14 weapons and they're all completely different. It's like a fighting game in the way that you interact with it. Right. But it's a fighting game that has loot. <laughs> it's also like my desire to play with my friends. And I want to be able to, like, hey, Nick, explain this thing to me so I understand it better. And you're just like, look it up. I'm like, well, if I want to look it up, I'll be playing with myself. Well, a lot of that too is like I was a novice in world. I was not in any place to be explaining things to you because I didn't know anything about it myself. Yeah, fair. I was self-teaching fair. myself. And like that I think is a lot of the way that you have to learn a game like that is you have to play, you have to play so much and you can start feeling like you're learning it pretty quickly, but you don't really feel like you've, I don't feel like I've mastered any of the weapons and I've put in a hundred, over a hundred hours in Rise and over a hundred hours in World. Jeez. So, it's a game where it's like a fighting game. Like tell me a character that you play in a fighting game. And I'll tell you, you're not the best at that, that character. You're not the best that even you can be. So it's just, it's about, it's about how much you put into it, but it's still like really gratifying, especially when you do get those like really good plays. Like, Oh, I dodged at the perfect time. I got the counter off on that. I just bopped that fucking giant lizard in the head and it fell over. And now I'm just wailing on its tail and I cut the tail off and I got the carve and I, I pulled the good thing and it played the, fabulous music and i just feel really great <laughs> and i've had over 100 hours of that in both these games and i think that's just wildly satisfying for a person like me and it's just a bummer that i didn't hit at the right time and there was uh, other games coming out that other people wanted to play that they didn't want to prioritize this or you know pandemic times don't have the money to be spending on games that they're not interested in playing right now so I understand that. I'm just com- I'm just complaining because I'm selfish and I want to play with my friends because this game is really fun with other people. Yeah. It's also, I think, probably a byproduct of coming to the Switch. World ran at 30 FPS also. I mean... A guy like Andrew Chavez. Shout out. He bought Rise. Hasn't played it much. <laughs> right. Like, does he want to boot up his fucking Switch? No, but he might be to his PlayStation, which is connected to his PC monitor or whatever, right? It's just like a... It's like a... You're like one level removed from like, oh man, I gotta... They got the switch. And I got to use the fucking pro controller. It's just like, no, I understand. I don't want to be talk. I don't want to be talking shit, but it is just a little bit frustrating to me. And I don't want to yeah. be bugging you about it either, EJ, because I know you'll play it with me, but you'll be sad and dejected the entire time. I don't want that. You know what? I thought that about Dark Souls because we. Hey, Brennan made you buy Dark Souls, not me. <laughs> Did Brennan make? So here's 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 the inception <laughs> of this whole thing. As you listeners may recall, at the beginning of the year. We got Chris on here. We're all excited to do like these uh, video game retrospective sort of things, which are still going to happen. And we did some. And I have one that I'm going to just talked about Mario World. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, No, we so we did. We did uh, a couple of things. We released some. 
uh, Donkey Kong Country. We have a Star Wars Knights of Old Republic that we haven't released. The story behind that one, as an aside here, is that we did it, and I was going to release it after we did a podcast talking about the uh, Star Wars news that happened way back in January, and then we never did a podcast talking about that, so that I never released the KOTOR one. Anyway, that one will be coming out, and I had a lot of fun doing that. I had a blast playing KOTOR and talking about it with, with you, Chris, and yeah, it was awesome. I want to do that again for other games, but the whole origin of like, hey, you guys are going to play Dark Souls is because, Nick, you didn't want to play any of the games that we were going to play. You were just like, oh, I'll just come in and ask questions and like you guys can tell me about the game, and that's fine. But I wanted to play something that you could really talk about that you loved, and that's Dark Souls. And I know I've bounced off Dark Souls in the past, but I said, I'm going to give it the old college try. And I did, and I really liked it. I really liked it. And of course, you were carrying me through a lot of this game, which is also fine. I don't think I have to play it you know, the way you play it or the way that Andrew plays it, the way that, you know, some whatever. Like, it's, I, I played it the way I played it, and it was really hard, and I don't think I could play it by myself. I think you're overestimating the difficulty that those games uh, entail. Maybe. It, it's a patience thing, more than anything. But, but I ran a few sections by myself, and I got to tell you, the level of pride when, like, you would hop in Discord, and I'd be like, yeah, I just cleared this boss, or I just cleared this whole area by myself and found the thing. You know, I was like, that's Hell, awesome. yeah, that's, it feels awesome. It's a really great experience. I think those levels are just really wonderfully uh, constructed as well, where you find yeah. something you're like, how did they hide this thing? And also, how did I find it? And also, where do I go now? <laughs> right. That That's like fun in like bursts, which is why I like something like we've talked about it before, but something like Dead Cells, which is like can be really punishing. But it's like it's these little bursts of difficulty that when I reset, I don't feel like I'm, I'm like, well, fuck, man, that was all for nothing. I was like, all right, I made a little bit of progress. And now I got to do something fresh. It's not the same as last time. Dark Souls is just so, it's so grindy. But I had fun. We got halfway through the game. The point being that I'm down to play games if I, if I know I have a play group or someone to play with. Because for me, a lot of these games are more about just hanging out with my buds um, and doing something together. So yeah, a game like Monster Hunter, I would, I would not get and play by myself just to talk about in the podcast. That doesn't sound necessarily like fun. Maybe I would, I would gravitate to it. Maybe. Maybe not, but playing it with people. Case in point, two games I've been playing a lot of, well, one game especially, fucking Call of Duty Warzone. I have gone full balls on Warzone, guys. It is not yeah, Talk about a game that you definitely would not play by yourself. Absolutely not. Oh, well, not at one point, but now I'm like, I'm addicted. Like, I need Warzone in my life every day. I, dude, I didn't realize I love Battle Royales. Didn't know it. Now I do. Yeah, battle royales are just roguelites, but with with other people. <laughs> Hot take. Well, I mean, each time you're just like you start at zero, you find you scavenge around, and then you hope that your first encounter goes well, so that you can keep going. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, really, I'm not good at shooters. I haven't played a sh Destiny. I guess is a shooter, but like PVE, like it's not overwhelmingly difficult. And the things I love about that game don't stem from the shooting mechanics they're enhanced by it but that's not why i play that game whereas call of duty is a motherfucking shooter right you're playing to kill people yeah it's a military shooter i didn't think i would like it I, I i really resisted downloading it but zombies had like a free weekend or something and andrew and brennan were playing at the time and i said yeah i'll try it out and it was fine like i was like yeah you know i'll hop on and play with you guys it's fine and then they maybe get warzone because that's what everyone was playing so now you have 100 gigabytes dedicated to yeah yeah warzone right dude i was so bad i am still bad but i'm like way better than i was dude it has been i've been addicted to it for three months now it's all it's like fucking almost all i've done 
um, other than magic, which we'll also talk about briefly here. But I, I, I'm talking like I'm on YouTube watching like like pro strats. I'm learning how to like slide cancel, learning the meta, like that shotgun that was broken last year. Yeah, d- jumping in, leveling up my guns to keep up with what the pros are doing. I'm watching streamers. I hate watching streamers, but every day I'm watching Nick Merckx or, or, or Z-Laner or fucking, you know, some of these guys just do some crazy shit, dude. U.S. Army's about to recruit EJ. I would not pass the physical, bro. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, not. Got those, bur- those bone spurs. They're going to give you a joystick and have you remotely bomb people from an office. Oh, that sounds horrifying. Definitely wouldn't do that. But... Warzone, when you're just killing fake people and they're just calling your mom a whore or whatever after you kill them, it's all gravy, baby. No harm, no foul. That's every war. Yeah, I don't need to get too deep into it, but 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 other than me trying to get MLG and like watch the pros, and I'm like, dude, okay, there's this one technique where they reassign buttons and they never take their thumb off the camera and they're using their pointer finger on the face buttons. Oh yeah, claw grip. That's how people used to play Monster Hunter on like 3DS. It's crazy. Unbelievable. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to try. I've done that in like Dark Souls to get a roll in while I'm also moving the camera. Just hit sure. the circle button with the, the finger. It happens. You got to do that. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. It's not It's not the best. No. What you can do, EJ, if you really want to, is just drop 200 bucks on an Elite controller. Then you get those back buttons. You can assign those to whatever you want. I did buy an Elite controller. I actually bought four Elite controllers. And there is That's a- too many. You don't need four. No, no, no. I don't need four. I bought one and then kept returning them because they have a, uh, there's a manufacturer problem where the, uh, was that the V1 or the V2? It's V2, which was an amazing controller. Right. Is it but, the stick, like the rubber on the stick? No, um, face button sticking. Oof. Which, which my other controller here. You don't want custom, that. I have a custom shout out ball pobble. It's team ball pobble Beautiful. there. Beautiful. We, you know what? I'm really upset that they haven't brought back the, the control lab yet. Because I really want one. I want one for my PC. I want to get a new uh, series Xbox controller with the, the Bluetooth built in. And I want to be able yeah. to, to customize it. Spend 100 bucks on that bad boy. Anyway, please continue about the V2. Right. So th- whatever manufacturing issue that has been plaguing them. For, you know, on the original one, it was like the buttons were too tight. Or the buttons were too loose, I guess. Um, and were mushy. Now, not only on the Elite, but also on whatever version of the customs they were doing before the Xbox One or, or series came out. Right, buttons were too tight and would stick, and you would you would just get mess presses because they weren't clicking all the way. So I had exactly. four in a row from the same batch, and this is a widespread problem. Certain batches will have the problem. I, bought, I got them all from Target, and they all had the exact same issue, same buttons. And I I finally gave up, even though it f- it, was, it really felt great. It was a it's a wonderful controller, but I just was I was done with it. I'm like you know it's too expensive to be fucking around with this. Like until they can get this right, I'm do- you know I'm I'm done. But and this is before Warzone, mind you. This is before Warzone. All I'm doing is playing Rocket League and fucking, you know, Destiny or whatever. But just imagine now if you got that 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 Elite controller and if the buttons got all fixed up I, and you I can think change it. the height of your stick yep. and oh. you can get that that nice accuracy and then you got the back buttons so you can be jumping and sliding and doing whatever, reloading. I think about it, man. I, I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I lo- what I love about... Because like, I've played Fortnite before with my little brother and I'm like, I hate Fortnite. I hate the building mechanics. I hate... I mean, it's all kids and yeah, shit. The building whatever. is the worst part. I hate, yeah, I hate it. But when I got into Call of Duty, it reminded me of the things I really liked about Call of Duty back in the day. And I was never good at shooters, and I I never really played Call of Duty online. But playing Call of Duty with my friends, where we would do like the uh, like spawn of enemy waves, right? Like Modern Warfare Three. Remember doing that with yeah, you guys? Yeah, the uh, Spec Ops and like yeah, those. Like the horror I had a, mode, I had a blast stuff. doing that. Yeah, that's um, fun. 
So zombies is the same thing, basically. Zombies, exactly. So I had a lot of fun, like jumping in with the guys, and like, and and we're all kind of sticking together, and it's not just like, okay, shoot, die, come back, shoot, die, come back, and, which is so boring. Now you're a squad, you're rolling deep, right? You figure out what you want to do, you have a common goal, and the strategy behind like, what do we do first? You know, we're trying to get a loadout to get our weapons. How? Do, where do we rotate? Like, it's it's there's way more strategy involved than a team deathmatch. Yeah, a team deathmatch is basically each person is just sort of doing their own thing. There's not a lot of callouts involved. Right. But I mean, that's where other kind of modes kind of come into play. If you're really interested in that kind of gameplay, you can. There are other modes to accomplish that. But if you're just trying to play casual and just hop into a uh, team deathmatch, that's usually the easiest way. Right. So it's kind of interesting that the battle royale sort of uh, the playbook has sort of moved to a squad based thing. I think Apex Legends was the first to really encourage that where it's teams of three and it's only a 60 person battle royale, but having the abilities and stuff, I played a little bit of apex and I'm not good at it. So I would just like spend five minutes rolling around, picking up backpacks and crap and then get shot and be like, okay, cool. That was my game. Well, so first off Warzone's whole conceit is like, it's call of duty. Great. Everyone knows what call of duty is, but they have, uh, they have the gulag. So when you die, you get one chance to one-on-one someone to come back and regain. Right. Which is, as far as I know, unique to Warzone. But they have a new, they have another match or another mode among a few other modes. But but the mode that I've mostly played, and I think I'm like 66 wins. Is it the this money game one? Mode. No, plunder fucking sucks. Um, it's called Rebirth Resurgence. It's a really small island, much that much like smaller. Sounds like a magic card, uh, right? And you you keep coming back until your whole team is wiped. So Rebirth will close at, at a certain point in the game, so you can't come back and you have to be bought back. But basically, if you're going four, you know, dropping with a squad of four, as long as one person's still alive, you'll you'll still respawn. But the timer gets bigger each time you die. The further the match right. goes, right? Does that stretch out games too long, or no, not at all. They're they're way quicker matches. It's like you're playing, you're just playing end There's game less people of a br. It's uh, f- is it fifty people? It's fifty people. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Then. Yeah. So it's it's just end game, right? Of a battle royale match. You you, you just aren't doing. You know, creeping by yourself for you start with a gun. Fifteen minutes. You don't start with a gun. You're still you're still doing the whole, you know, looting and and trying to get your loady thing. But is it like a section of the map, or is it the whole the whole ass map? So the original rebirth is its own map, its own design, and I think it's a it's a really well designed island, and it's got a lot of really awesome points of interest and like to do the same thing that the original map had, where it was just like a bunch of classic Call of Duty maps stapled together. I remember that being sort of a cool thing that they did. Where it's like, oh, I see the dome. I see, you know, the, the the towers from Black Ops. I see, you know, the nuke town or whatever. Um, as far as I know, it's a totally unique thing. But I don't know enough about the Call of Duty lore to the, to, the legend. <laughs> yeah. So, and they have another version where it's like, once they did, made the new Battle Royale map, they did Rebirth Resurgence, where they just put you on a small section of the regular Battle Royale map, and that was fine. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, I've been addicted to it. It's so much fun. And I've been playing with like Brandon awesome. and my brother and Bob. Shout out to my buddy Bob Hall. Right yeah, on. Just been playing a ton. But um, something that we've all played, Pokemon Snap. New Pokemon Snap. Oh, yeah. So we're going to use this to segue into our fantasy critic thing. I- I've been playing some other stuff. We don't have to talk about it right now. I want to talk about Pokemon Snap here. Chris, you picked new Pokemon Snap for our fantasy critic draft. And we're going to talk about how the draft is going so far a few months into the season here. But let's talk about Pokemon Snap. What are our thoughts on it here? Uh, I feel like we probably all feel pretty different about it, but but probably generally positive. So, Chris, 
how far are you in the game? How are you liking it? What are your thoughts? I have unlocked the second area. And the only reason why I haven't done more of it is that I'm having such a good time just running around the first area, trying to figure out all the stuff I don't know yet. What I love about this game is that it's more Pokemon Snap, number one. And number two, the whole system of of capturing four unique behaviors of each Pokemon really lends itself well to doubling down on the idea in the first Pokemon Snap that the world could be interacted with, you know, like, oh, if I throw this chain of apples over towards this egg Pikachu will shock it and oh my god Zapdos just came out that's fucking amazing um in this game you know I I, I might get a hint that um it's possible to cat capture a picture of a Pidgeot scooping up a Magikarp to go eat it and be like how in the hell do I make that happen and so I would do like run after run trying to figure out like how, what are the ways in which I can interact with Pidgeot to make, to make this happen? I go, okay, that did something. Okay. Well, I still haven't figured it out. Okay. That did something too. Okay. What else, what else do I need to do? Uh, and then finally figuring out like the sequence of all the things you have to do to get Pidgeot to swoop down and like, oh, I didn't quite get the picture, but like, now, you know, it like makes me want to go back and explore more. Um, but the number one thing I have to say, and you all know from the group chat, this is the only thing I wanted from this game, is that when you play it in handheld mode, I wanted to be able to turn the switch in 360 degrees like an actual ass camera in 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 VR, in AR, and take pictures of Pokemon. <laughs> and I got it. I fucking got yeah. that. It's all I wanted. And I'm happy as a fucking clam. I was literally like standing up, like moving around my living room like an idiot, just grinning from ear to ear and going, oh my God. Like literally I was like almost like nostalgia bombed to tears. It really makes you feel like you're inside the Neo one. <laughs> right. I can't move forward or backwards or left or right, but I can, <laughs> I can turn. Um, I can spin baby. That's a cool I trick. Ca- I can. And the, the fact that the camera is like flat with one ridge on one side and I don't remember if it has one of the other city, but it looks like a switch basically with yeah, like they, a slightly bulky. Like yeah. Um, it's, it's a joy. It's a joy to play. And I, I, I frankly, I'm, I am surprised and a little bit disappointed that it's only pulling an 80 on open critic right now. Um, I don't really get I don't really get where they're taking 20 points off this game. The only complaint that I have so far, well, some of the some of the things are like really obtuse. I haven't been able to figure them out yet, but I might also just not have the right items. Like I'm assuming the Poke Flute's gonna come back. I'm assuming the speed up slowdown is gonna come back. I don't have that yet. There's a little bit of uh, obtusity to some of the puzzles. Uh but the the throwing the apples, throwing the fluff fruit is maddeningly imprecise. I never really know if I'm going to hit what I'm throwing at, it kind of just feels like, God, I hope I hit it. Um, and maybe that'll get easier with the break, but it'd be cool if you could like hold the button and get like a projector line about where it's going to land because it's not like this game is like, it's not call of duty. You're not doing math in your head to figure it out. This is fucking Pokemon snap. Just let me know where the (laughs) apple's going to land. Oh, also why do you not call it an apple? It's a goddamn apple. The Japanese calls it an apple. (laughs) It's an apple. (laughs) Yeah, but I'd give it like an 85 or an 88. I'm pretty disappointed that that it's pulling an 80 on Open Critic. I don't think that's warranted. But EJ disagrees. I know he does. No, 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 no. I have a few points here. This is this is tough. To, let me try to condense this. One, I feel like Pokemon Snap is either for you or it's not. So that 10 points 
is for all the Pokemon fans who weren't around for Pokemon Snap, and they didn't realize Pokemon Snap's not for you. You might love Pokemon, but Pokemon Snap's not for you. And that's just probably a pretty sizable chunk of the population. Pokemon Snap is a really weird, unique experience that is probably not that great, but for some reason is so fun. Also, they're building off the nostalgia that we had as idiots as we were, we were 8, 9, 10 years old on the N64. Everything was bad on the N64, but we all have nostalgia for it as like this bastion of childhood gaming. It's like it's the fucking worst console with the worst games, but we love it. It was the first time you got to play games with three other people. I'm not saying it didn't innovate and didn't lead to some really wonderful things. No, I'm just saying that's why people inflate yeah. it higher in their minds Sure, nostalgia goggles. That's That's exactly right. Um, so I think there's just a lot of people who who played this thinking, oh, I'm playing a new Pokemon game or or I don't know what they expected, but guess what? They got Pokemon Snap too. That's what they got. And that's bound to disappoint some people who didn't realize that that would be disappointing for them. But I also think that for the diehards, quote unquote diehards, as if, as if there are Pokemon Snap diehards not named Gerard Khalil, the completionist, right? But there are a lot of quality of life things about this game that for me take it from maybe, like you said, an 88. Well, I'm like, this is just fun and it shouldn't be, but I am really loving everything about it. That totally drop it down to be like, I've actually put the game on hold, hoping for a patch to fix some things that I think are like pretty egregious that make it really not fun after a while. And I think I'm quite a bit further than you, Chris. So after a while, I just got, it just got really tedious. Like the first time going out into a world. So, so there are a couple systems that we should talk about. Like you mentioned there's a star rating, one through four stars. I don't like that it's that it's stars to to start with because, like Chris said, it's literally just different poses. Like the stars right. have no bearing on your rating at all. Right, I got this right. sick ass picture apparently of a Caterpie that's like four stars, and I get like you know a thousand points each time because it's not looking at me and it's super far away. Right. <laughs> the stars only correlate with one of four positions. They should just be numbered one through four. Anyway, <laughs> and then there's a score system. One, two, three, and four thousand, and that correlates with bronze, silver, gold, and platinum stars. So you can get a four-star pose, and those stars are on this this you know metal sort of grade, right? It's weird, but you're really just going for points so that you can unlock higher levels of the expedition, so that you can get right. more unique Pokemon poses and stuff interactions. There are three levels to each level, right? Uh, so they're level one through three of like the first area. So it's the same track, but different things happen on, on different levels, right? And once you unlock all of them, you can like go back and be like, I want to play level two of this area. So you're playing the same track, but like, you know, d different Pokemon appear in different times, different poses happen. So if you're looking for a certain pose, you know, you have to go to like world one, one, but choose level three when you select the level, which is kind of convoluted. Is it not just additive or is it, does it subtract certain things each time? Certain Pokemons won't do certain things or won't do them mm. as frequently in higher right. levels and trying to figure out what's what and when, you know, these things happens a little arcane and it can be a little confusing. But my, my only beef that has made me stop playing because at first you're just exploring, right? And you're unlocking new areas and new levels to the same areas pretty frequently. You're, you're unlocking the night version of this area. Um, you know, you hit level two, suddenly new Pokemon are appearing. They're di doing different things. Now they're interacting with different items you're throwing. Or like Chris said, there is a Poke Flute equivalent. So you're always kind of unlocking new things and you're discovering new things. And that's exciting. But once you've kind of seen it all in a certain area and you've unlocked all the levels and now you're just trying to do the completionist thing 
come back, get all the poses, get all the stars, get all platinum stars for each pose, right? Here, here's my gripe. And it may, it's not maybe a bigger thing for as many people, but it, it makes the game like I have to stop and hope to God there's a patch. You can only submit one photo of each Pokemon per run. So I might take a one, two, three, and four star pose of the same Pokemon in the same run, right? But I can't submit them. So now I have to go back three more times to get those photos and hope I capture the same photo the same way, even though I had two, three, four perfect photos that I want to submit. So at first, it's not that big of a deal because you're constantly like, all right, I unlocked a new pose. I got a, I got a high score and got my platinum stars. So like, I'm, I'm making progress. But now when you're trying to fill in one or two slots, like, okay, I have all four poses or I had three poses, but I need the platinum two star, but I also needed the, any level of four star. Well, now I, could, I have both, but I can only submit one. So I have to go back just to do that one Pokemon a game. It becomes so monotonous and frustrating and trying to keep track of like, wait, wait, which one did I submit last time? Was it this one? But then you take, I take a picture that I'm going for a certain uh, level, certain star, but I capture one that's like higher points than one of my other ones. I'm like, well, shit, do I want to go with the 4,000 pointer or do I want to go with the one that I'm missing? And it becomes this thing where it's just like, well, now I've played this level 16 times. It became really frustrating after I unlocked all the areas and all of the like alternate versions of those areas. It just became really tedious. Is there anything that you unlock for doing what you're doing? I don't know. Um, other than like more points, you unlock more areas. But once you've sort of reached the end game of just trying like to like a sticker. <laughs> right. I don't know if there's a reward other than like I just want to fucking 100% this game. Right. And I understand that. But for me, it's just I know you're super type A. And you're the person who gets a living Dex and like wants to shiny hunt and Pokemon Let's Go and all this kind of stuff. So I haven't run into this problem. I'm also a lot earlier than you. I'm, I'm further than Chris, but I think this is not the game that you play 10 hours a day for a week. You know, I think this is a game that you play for maybe an hour once a week <laughs> and you just play maybe. for half a year. It's because that's how I've been playing it. And it's really nice. They could also just not do the artificial, like, well, we want you to play it more often. We want you to come back and do the same thing. So they're artificially inflating how many hours you spend. It's like, just let me submit all the photos I have of, of unique unique poses and, and scores. Like, just let me do it. There's, that does, that's not going to affect anything about this game other than you're just saving me a little bit of time and helping me keep better track and making me less frustrated. So anyway, the game is great. It is exactly what you would want out of a Pokemon Snap 2. I think the only notable exception is I have not encountered any evolution so far. Spoiler, Chris. I believe there are none in the game. That seems like a glaring omission, but it doesn't change what is happening in the game. It doesn't really yeah. affect. But those are some of the cool Easter eggs of the original game. Yeah, this game has way cooler interactions with the Pokemon amongst themselves, though. I agree. In the first yeah. game, from what I remember. So in that regard, I like it. I think it's definitely an improvement to the first one in every way. And... I don't know. I think as far as scores go, I don't want to score a score. I think that's kind of weird. I'm not surprised at all by it being an 80 game. I feel like that kind of fits what I would expect from the 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 outlets that would be scoring a game like this. It doesn't seem like a wild overplay or underplay to me. And as far as my enjoyment of it, I'm having a great time. It's just a really chill sort of sit on the couch and hang out with my girlfriend kind of game. So Lindsay and I have been having a lot of fun just like 
passing the controller back and forth or it's a really great this is an amazing game to play with someone else because as you're playing you're focusing on things that you're focusing on and then the person behind you be like ooh, ooh, over there you just see the thing you see the thing there's that weird squirrel guy that jumped out of the tree i gotta go get them so i think it's a really great game in that regard so i'm having a good time like i said it's exactly what you would want i i i can't really complain like it was funny how we talked about in the last podcast if y'all remember all the way back then is like Nintendo almost always gets it mostly right, but then they do something like really glaringly stupid that like detracts from the the experience more than it should. And it becomes even more of a glaring issue because it's like the one flaw. Like I look at Breath of the Wild and we always talk about the weapon system and it's like, it shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is, but it fucking is because it's like the one thing. I had, I had fun. I played it for several hours. I unlocked a bunch of areas and now I'm just like, I would love to keep unlocking things and, and finding these new Pokemon and, and like maxing out my, my photo book, you know, max stars, platinum, whatever, unless they patch in a, just a really minor thing with how the submissions work. It feels minor to me anyway. Um, I don't know if I want to keep investing time into it because then it's like, all right, instead of playing this course two or three more times, I have to play it like 22 more times. Knowing uh, Pokemon and Nintendo's history and uh, patching things for what you would say is quality of life, but what they would see as design choices, I would not hold my breath. The closest I would expect yeah. is like a post-game ability to start doing that, which at this point, you're, I would assume you are post-game if you've unlocked all this stuff. Technically, I don't know what they would consider post-game. I don't know what they add. I know they, they add the boost super late, but that's all I've really gleaned from reviews and people talking about it. You're so right about design system, uh, Nick. And I, I was kind of noodling on that myself that I sort of went, you know, it, it was it's not an oversight. It's an intentional choice that that's what it was in the first Pokemon Snap is you send one per thing and they've iterated in all these other ways, but they're going to stay true for better or worse to the original system, which is you submit one photo per Pokemon that there's no way in hell that's going to change. But I take your point. I take your point to heart, though, that I felt the same way that I went, oh, I've got a photo of a, a two-star and a three-star, and I'd kind of look and go, well, I'm not really sure what this two-star behavior is. And I think I took it about the same time as I took the three-star behavior. So, like, am I going to be able to get that again? I don't know. And then the artificiality of the one through four, like, the four-star poses, that to me is something that is more spectacular. Like often it involves some East not Easter egging, but like breadcrumbing, like getting Pidgeot to pick up the Magikarp, like, and it definitely deserves to be considered like a four-star pose, but like two and three are so muddy. Like I don't get what the distinction is. Totally. I'll automatically pick the three-star one anyway, because I'm like, oh, this is rarer. Yeah, I wish those were just named differently. I feel like if they just explained like this is a interactive pose. This is a glowing pose. This is a feeding pose, like all those kinds of things. Then you would have an idea of what you're supposed to do to accomplish them. And I think that would sort of alleviate some of the issues where you just don't know what yeah. caused it. And I think they wanted to make it because that tension obviously is intentional. They want you to choose. They want you to make a choice because making choices is the one thing you can do in a video game that is unique to games versus other media. So yeah, I, I don't fault them for that. I think you're right, though, that I've, it's just obtuse. And then it makes you feel bad making a choice and not knowing what the right choice was. I, I understand that if they want to be true to the original, that's fine. But the original one, you didn't have this tiered system. As soon as yeah, they introduced exactly. this tiered system, 
you have to adapt the rest of the systems around that, and they didn't. And I don't even know if it actually is tiered because I've I've gotten one star photos that are over four thousand points, and it's like, well, that what does the star even mean? Why did they go a one through four stars? It's it's completely right. arbitrary. Yeah, the stars are frustrating because in your mind you automatically correlate that with more stars, more better. You can get a one star photo. Because that just means it's the most basic pose, but it can still have a high score because the score is based on things like, is it centered in frame? Is it facing you? How big in the frame is it? Right. Though, are there other Pokemon in the frame? And that they explain to you, but they do not explain to you what the stars mean. Well, they, they do, but briefly. They, they do say that the... You know, that it's based on the type of pose. But what does that mean? Yeah, it's... Right. Yeah. So, like... A Pokemon standing there ver- like would be a one. A Pokemon eating would be a two. A Pokemon interacting with another Pokemon would be a three. Yeah, but why is that one, two, three? They could have just said standing there eating, right. doing something e, B, C, D. <laughs> that would limit the discovery. If they're like, well, the Pokemon feeding, now you know that's what you're going for. They want you to discover. They're not all the I'm same. I'm fine with that, but I, I don't want to discover that two right. is better than one in most regards. I think it's just it's just a bad way that they yeah. did it. I think I that's bad. And I'm not justifying yeah. the single photo submission. I'm just saying if I'm Nintendo and I think in the most intelligent and somehow the stupidest fucking way imaginable simultaneously, I'm going to say, <laughs> look how interactive it is. The Pokemon, inter- like they, they're interacting with each other. You can get these gorgeous pictures like Things are nested around every corner for you to discover, uh, but definitely only submit one photo at a time. That's how we did it last time. Yeah, we're going to keep that the same. Yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense, but for Nintendo sense, yeah. it makes perfect sense. It, that that reads to me as like less of a uh, a design philosophy thing in the sense that it was like, we have to be true to like the formula of Pokemon Snap and more of a design choice in the sense that they're like, well, we don't want people to beat this game in seven hours. And we want to charge $60, so let's just make them play the levels 30 times a piece if they want to complete the game. And it makes it unfun at, at that point. So I'm hoping there's a patch, especially because I've already sunk so much time into it. It's like, all right, Pokemon, you got my money. Now make this a more enjoyable experience for me, all right? I, I, and I haven't run into that issue, so I can't, you know, I can't say that it bothers me as much as it bothers you. But yeah. I, I'm of two minds of it. I think that, yeah, they do want to you know, quote unquote, pad it out. They want to make the game a, a longer experience because people feel better about a longer experience than a shorter experience in some, in some games. But for me, it just feels more like you have to make choices and even limiting the amount of shots you have. I've never taken more shots than the, the level allows. But oh boy, I have <laughs> so many times because I, I run into like eight Pokemon, 10 Pokemon, maybe 11, I think is the most I've ran into like taking photos of in a course. And I can only submit one pose in each one. And there's so many, there's so many things happening at once that I'm not like focusing on one Pokemon. I'm trying to get as many photos as I can. And because of that, I'm only taking three or four shots of each Pokemon, maybe a little bit more if I'm really like, honing in on like trying to express a behavior like i remember in one of the levels i kept throwing apples into this whirlpool and this magic card would jump out higher and higher each time like i want to see how high i can get it but i mean that was just one run so i ended up getting too far away and these apples kept falling short because i'm an idiot and i wouldn't throw it high enough so one of the things we talked about is like how our nostalgia for like the original two generations of pokemon i mean we're come on we're 30 year olds like Pokemon's not made for us. Totally. That's another thing. <laughs> Talk about doing things over and over with no actual satisfying <laughs> reaction to it. Old Pokemon games. They're made for kids. They are. Let me tell you, though. I kind of like... I, I don't know a lot of these Pokemon. I, I just don't... Straight up, I'm like, I have never heard of you. But like, right. 
the way the, the the levels are designed and the way the world is realized, obviously everything feels like it fits. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what you are, but I, I like seeing you. I'm not just seeing a sprite. I'm seeing this thing come to life and, and do different interesting things. I'm like, I have no fucking clue what you are because I'm too old to know, but I like you. You know, it's like cooler than I thought it would be. And there's enough of a balance of like older Pokemon that I recognize uh, and people of our generation would recognize and stuff that like my 12 year old brother probably knows, but I couldn't fucking tell you what game it came from. So good on them for like, you know, balancing things out. And that's, and that's something, again, we talked about is like, I feel like the Pokemon company knows that they are every new, every new game they, they come, they come out with. They, it has to both be someone's first Pokemon game, but it also has to cater to all of the other generations of kids whose first Pokemon game was something very uniquely different. Right. That's hard. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to do that. I do want to agree that, yeah, this world is really well realized and they've had a, a good variety. I think each level so far that I've played has a good identity separating it from the previous levels. The first two are pretty much the same, but different a little bit. But after that, you unlock a couple more islands and it's just like, okay, now I, I see the variety that they can express themselves with. So, Chris, I would say that you should probably, you know, move on and start playing new levels before you burn yourself out because I know we're all kind of prone to that. And you can always go back and, and do things differently and maybe you'll play things later that'll give you an idea of what to do earlier. You have so much more to unlock, bro. There's yeah. like... There's a lot. Okay, good. Thank you for empowering that because I'm doing this like meganium level. The very first Illumina spot and going, I fucking know I can get this EV to go further in this level, but I don't know how to do it and I can't figure it out. And so I did that like three or four times. I ran that one three or four times and I was like, oh, I'll hit it with the fruit. I was like, oh, I can get it over next to the chrysobloom and then mcganey will snip the flower and evie will get all glowy but i can't get evie to go past that and so i was just like i feel like i'm missing items and then you know i got up here and i kind of wanted to finish mario um but yeah i will i will move on and i will try to uh not get stuck in specific areas for too long yeah you'll unlock you'll unlock two more items like pretty much immediately in the next area so or the third, I think the third is where you get the the poke flute. The game encourages you to just like mainline it. Sometimes totally. uh, you you might have to go back and redo one level to get enough points to unlock the next area. But if you're like being pretty thorough, it, it encourages you to mainline it and then just go back and replay. And I so as to not get burnout, I was kind of doing like I hit level one or area one, level one. All right, now area one, level two, unlock the next area. I'm going to do that, and then if I I kept unlocking levels, and if I needed more points to unlock the next area, I would go all the way back and rotate back so that I wasn't totally replaying too often the same level. Um, yeah, I think that's smart. That's that's what I've been doing. Also, this netted you ten points on Fantasy Critic, Chris. Um, Nick, catch us up on the state of things. Where are our points at? And let's let's dive into some of the uh, maybe the surprises, maybe the not so surprising things. Our pickups. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's been there's been a lot that's happened, obviously, since we drafted. I think we've only recorded one other podcast, and I don't think anything could come out at that point. So, yeah. as it stands right now, purely by numbers, EJ with his cart swap has 39 fantasy points. Chris with various suite has 46 fantasy points. And me with Durheim to Dongos, I'm sitting at 40 
fantasy points. And a lot of this will break down because there are different pluses, different minuses that are going on here. So I wanted to go over our initial picks that we that we have gotten reviews for. EJ has had two games that he initially picked come out with Bradley Default 2 and Returnal. He's sitting at a 12 average for those for those picks. Chris has had four games that he initially picked, the most out of all of us, come out from his uh his draft with Resident Evil Village, New Pokemon Snap, Little Nightmares 2, and Near Replicant version numbers sitting at a 12.5 average, so Very a little solid. bit higher than EJ. Very solid. I have had two games come out from my initial draft with Monster Hunter Rise and Cyber Shadow, and I'm sitting at a 15 average. Just wanted to flex that a little bit, but it's, it's just two games, so it kind of belabors the point a little bit. Uh, EJ has had a very, very busy post-draft <laughs> season with, uh, looks like, 10 pickups that you've had after the initial draft. No way! It's been 10. It's been 10 because Four we started five, at 10, six, and then we maxed out at 20, and you dropped Gran Turismo because that was delayed till next year. I, I picked up you're nine You're the only games. person who's, dro- who's dropped anything. I picked up nine nine games. Let me defend something here. Let me let me just let me just let me just defend myself here. EJ, you picked up ten. What did I pick up? Ghostwire, oh, I picked, Biomutant. I picked up Ghostwire. Oh, I thought I yeah. picked that initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. I picked up ten because you forgot you dropped one. So yeah. here, here's here's my thing. Here's my thing. Because Nick, you picked up some things before we fully realized how this all worked. Like you got Pokemon Brilliant I'm Diamond. I'm sorry, and Pearl. I tried explaining it to you. I, I mean, yeah, it's our you own know, fucking. We can fault. we can talk about this later, but we can we can change the rules a little bit next year if we really want to. We can establish no, no, some. Well, now like, that I figured it out, gentlemen, it's, it's our fault. We yeah. fucked up. I just we'll see we'll see how it yeah. goes. So Nick, look at your list. You're clearly gonna win, um, unless you get really fucked by counter picks, which really defile did fuck you with minus eight points. Eight is not that bad. I can accept that. It's not I'd rather that have bad. minus eight than minus eighteen. <laughs> I was thinking this game was going to be an eighty to 80, 82-ish. I, I was aiming high for eighty-five. It got a seventy-eight. Obviously, you're not going to pick a game that you think is going to be a seventy-eight. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, especially that's a not, second. That's pick. not a second-round pick. No, you yeah, you fucked on. up again, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you picked God of War Ragnarok three, so let's not be talking shit. It's happening. Of course, I also picked Second Odds two and Elden Ring back to back. So who really fucked up? <laughs> yeah, um, wow. <laughs> So here, here's what I didn't understand. Not that I didn't understand. Here's what I failed to consider when I was picking up games for a dollar a piece. Good way to put it. Was that there are plenty of other games potentially to be announced and released in the coming months. For example, Nick picked up the Monster Hunter Two Wings of Ruin. He picked up yeah, the stories. Pokemon games, Super Mario or, or Mario Golf Super Rush. Like really great announcements and pickups by Nick. Those are going to be highly rated. Even a game like It Takes Two that was announced last year, I didn't pick up until I started seeing review, like preview coverage and people seeming pretty hot on it. Yeah. And that turned out to be an 18-pointer, and I think that's a, a beautiful pickup, especially since uncontested. But, I mean, a lot of our pickups were uncontested because either you guys weren't paying attention to announcements or Chris went yep. on a buying spree <laughs> or EJ went on a buying spree. So so we don't. there's no like waiver wire where we see who's bidding on these picks and we could try to outbid them. right these are these are uh, uh silent auctions basically yeah. knowing that i only bid a dollar a piece on all my pickups so so what i failed to consider though is that a i only have 10 extra slots or whatever 11 extra slots um so now i only have one extra slot for the remainder of the year but i, I also just didn't think like oh well other things could be announced that might be way higher rated than fucking you know famicom detective club or or turnip boy commits tax evasion I was thinking, here's what's coming out this year. 
of my choices, let me do some research and see what could be a potential, you know, sneak, you know, win. Like Turnip Boy, the original Turnip Boy rated very favorably on Open Critic. I did my research. And I said this is a great pickup for a dollar. This could potentially net me 10, 12, 15 points, right? No big deal. Well, it netted me four points, but it cost me a dollar. Whatever. Okay. Famicom Detective Club, I picked both of those up. Six points apiece. Okay. Maybe those underperformed a little bit. Soulstorm really fucked me up. Oddworld got me one point. That really didn't yeah. review well. Yeah, that was that was rough. Let me let me pull something up here that I want to make a point about that I'm pretty pretty cheesed. I'm pretty cheesed about. You want to talk about Binding of Isaac? <laughs> Binding of Isaac. Repentance. <laughs> Open critic link. <laughs> critic reviews. 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 stars. 96 out of 100 audience reviews. But for some reason, Fantasy Critic has not counted any of these. I think it needs to hit a minimum number of uh, reviews, I would guess. Extremely sure. frustrating that I'm getting 0 points for a game that I should be getting 15, 16. If you want. Okay, so here's the thing. Since we are participating in this league together, let's all talk about this. Do you think that by the end of the year, we should go to Open Critic, do the math ourselves, and assign those points to that to that game? Or another option that you have is that you can drop this game because nobody picked it as a counter pick, and it was your initial pick. So that, the frustrating thing about that is that this game has been reviewed. It was released. Reviews exist in the ether, and I should be getting points for it. But because I didn't meet some arbitrary minimum threshold that I was completely unaware of when drafting, I'm getting zero points for it. Dra dropping it doesn't help me. It does because it gives you another slot. Uh, but but really, I'm screwed out of what could have been 15 points. So I would prefer to, if a game doesn't get reviewed for some reason, we should look at those reviews. Right, because like you said, if there are if there are if it if it had no reviews, I would say that's just a crapshoot, man. You picked a game that didn't get reviewed by anyone, so... Like I could pick, you know, some titty game on Steam, and if it never gets any reviews from an outlet, then like that, that is what, what kind of po what point was I making right. there? Because we're not going to count audience reviews because the audience reviews on a titty game on Steam probably going to be pretty high. Right. I'm not here to game the system like that. That's not the spirit of the law. Yeah. So, would you like to take those 15 points, or well, would you be, like to drop it and give points. yourself the option yeah. to to pick up a game that's announced at E3 in three weeks? You know. I would I would rather get points for my initial pick. I mean, in retrospect, I could always say, oh, I could have gotten 18 points for this game that I picked up. But you know what? I picked Binding of Isaac. I knew it would review well enough. And right now it's sitting, it would it would net me 10 points right now. Because as know? league manager, I have the option to score a game manually. I think we should wait till the end of the season and then see if anyone else reviews the games that are missing right. reviews. Um but it's got two critic reviews, so I think it's fair game, and that's something we should consider down the line. Cool. I don't want to drop I, it. I, say, I, I agree. I think we can put a pin in that and uh, revisit it yeah. in December and set a score manually based on the reviews that are in open credit. Right. Right. Keep it in line with the rest of the reviews. I want to. I want to weigh in on this <laughs> as we're equitable league partners. I'm just saying that I agree. Well, the fact <laughs> of the matter, EJ, is that you made a great pick and you deserve the points. Um, I no, I'm with y'all. No, you. I'm with y'all. I just, I, I'm just trying to figure out like, what is the, it has to be reviewed by a certain number of, uh, a certain number of people that open critic or outlets or reviewers that open critic considers reputable. It has to be on a minimum number of consoles. Like, I don't know why you're not getting points, I guess is my question. So the thing with, okay, so let me, let me break it down a little bit from what I understand, because I'm obviously not the, the master of this. I just chose this because I've heard other podcasts talk about it in like 2019. I thought that was a cool idea. In 
So both of these, FantasyCritic.Games and OpenCritic, are both like their Patreon-run websites. So OpenCritic wanted to be a Metacritic competitor because Metacritic is owned by a like large corporation and they're both owned by the same people that own IGN. It's a Ziff Davis thing. So they wanted to be like, oh, we don't know what Metacritic decides weighs more than other like outlets. They weigh certain outlets more than other outlets like IGN and GameSpot. And, you know, those outlets mean more than like some blog. So OpenCritic wanted to be like, okay, here are our outlets and they all weigh the same. So you can go to OpenCritic's frequently asked questions and we can see how does OpenCritic work or why is an X review on OpenCritic or, you know, all this different stuff. So if you really wanted to, you could probably find why Binding of Isaac Repentance doesn't qualify for it because OpenCritic does not have a rating for this game. They show that there are two critic reviews and they're both basically eights based on their own metrics. So we would have to do the math ourselves in that regard. Well, I imagine two eight out of tens would be an eight out of ten. <laughs> Minimum for open critic is probably more than two. <laughs> Cause that doesn't really uh, yeah. give a good general consensus. If you asked me and EJ what we thought about a game and Chris didn't respond, that's not a good general consensus. <laughs> yeah, by the end of the year, I mean if there's not more than We can manually score. Yeah. We can we can go based on the, the critic reviews that well, are if there's there. not more than two, I'm fine with that. I mean, surely by the end of the year there'll be more than that, but I guess in either case, I doubt maybe it because not. reviews are driven wholly by when a game comes out. What's the point of putting out a review on a website? Yeah, it's true. Six months. Down no, you the should line. get your points. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be at any more reviews added. I think it was kind of a, it was a risk to choose an expansion to begin with, especially for a game as old as Binding of Isaac. I mean, Dead Cells did get an expansion that did get reviewed, but Dead Cells also came out two years ago as opposed to Binding of Isaac, which came out in like the 1900s. I think I'm not sure. I'd have to double check. Anyway, that was just a, a curiosity of mine. But my whole goal, Nick, after seeing you pick up Pokemon in, in Mario Golf, was I just have to shotgun approach and hope for a couple of easy, like, five to ten, right? And I got a couple sixes. I don't think Mario Golf is, like, a guaranteed huge success either. I don't think Pokemon is a huge success either. I think it depends wholly on who is choosing to review those games and, like, what they're what their metrics are because I think with like especially a remake like Pokemon that's going to be tough I remember Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire not reviewing super great because of people really liking what was added in Heart Gold Soul Silver and uh, they chose not to have those things in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire and how they compared to X and Y because those are the games that came out right before that on the same system so I don't think that Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl is like an obvious success but it's a bigger game so I know it's going to get reviews for my uh counter picks i was really limited in my ability to choose games that i thought were not coming out at all so looking at all of your guys's initial draft it was no matter what i picked it was super risky <laughs> but i do agree that i think that my counter picks are going to be the most detrimental to my score overall versus your guys's because it's like it's going to be a miracle i think chris counterpicking halo infinite is probably his riskiest pick and eju counterpicking all of your counter picks are super safe Cuphead has has a chance of coming out, but it's not it's not high. Right. <laughs> I just want to throw out there that I accidentally stopped my recording there for about two minutes. Uh, I just started recording again. I'll figure it out in post. But those <laughs> last two things I said are uh, lost forever. If you stopped recording, that's going to be a pain in the ass for you to line them up. Yeah, I'll. Uh, but I'll we're going to do the countdown out. at the end. Yeah, it should be fine. I'll figure it out. Yeah, the, it, it all comes down to the counter picks to me. 
for you and Chris. I think you and Chris could potentially be competitive if Chris doesn't get totally screwed on a couple, like I said, his, his counter picks. I think he's going to get fucked on, on God of War. Like, God of War is not coming out, dude. That would be a miracle if it comes out in 2021. Nick, yours just looks safe. You look like the, the runaway winner. I'm glad that Bradley Default, you know, you know, you, you lost probably one of your games to Bradley Default. I'm happy with that. I'll take it. Essentially, yeah. So... Listen, man, I did my research, though. Here's what I want to say. I'm upset. I did my research. Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. All right? Famicom Detective Club. These should not have underperformed to the, 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 the degree they did. And you know what? It happens. Shotgun Approach. I picked up, what did I pick up? 12, 15, 19 free points. It is what it is. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I think it would be interesting that we, if we could add some uh, some like side stuff to, to utilize the the budget because I think it'd be fun to to do some side betting with budget in a in a future a future draft or a future yeah. league being like hey I bet you 10 bucks that fucking ratchet and clank gets below an 83 on Metacritic or an open critic and then you could take me up on that bet and then you know we might be able to pick up a little bit of extra cash extra so I'm not cash. sure I don't think the cash uh has any bearing on like points by the end of the season it might, and I just didn't read that far ahead. But <laughs> you might be sitting pretty with an extra eighty-one dollars. That might help you out in the end in the end game. Or Chris doing dollar bets, with his fucking ninety-three dollar budget. Yep. with two games that you can pick up, <laughs> three games. Uh, Chris, talk to us about your pickups. Yeah, tell us what you picked yes. up and why. Yeah, at a certain point, I realized, uh, not unlike what you realized, EJ, which is I need stuff that. With these pickups that I know, well, three things. It did take a lot of uh, a lot of prodding from me to finally get you guys to be like, you guys need to pay attention to the draft. You're all going to get mad at me for picking up Mario Golf and Diamond no, Pearl, yeah. but like those games were available to be bid on. I was uncontested in almost all my bids. Yeah, even though I was bidding on them like realistically, well, all of mine have been have been uncontested, which is where they were all dollar pickups because I knew that y'all weren't going to be spending money on that. So, so I knew I knew three or four things. I knew that they needed to come out. I knew that they needed to be reasonably safe. Hood kind of fucked me a little bit, but it's only a minus four. They needed to come out. So you, the first thing you picked up was Legend of Zelda Breath of the well, Wild. Okay, too. okay. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and I wanted to have as much cash on hand as humanly possible for the post E3 release window because it, yep, certainly like let's say okay let's say let's say that that my my and you know that I was going to bring this up. Let's say my dreams come true. And the rumored Mercury Steam Metroid is real. That is going to sure. be a minimum 10 point pickup uh, just based on how well Samus Returns did or Return of Samus did. If they are remaking Super Metroid, I want to be able to guarantee that I can outbid you. And, I, you know, Nick, you you were actually betting, assuming that we weren't going to be idiots and not betting on anything. So you don't have very much cash on hand. So if something major. Congratulations, I played myself. You did. <laughs> you did. Um, so if something major gets announced at E3, I can bid thirty nine dollars and guarantee that no offense, EJ, my 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 closest competitor to winning this thing is <laughs> wow. is not going to be able to outbid me. And that mattered to me now. With regards to Breath of the Wild 2, I have three words to say to you, and those words are big balls, gilly four, motherfucker. Okay, I guess that's five words because uh, I added the last one. I am I in the draft. I said I'm swinging big this year. High risk, high reward. 
And that is the way that I'm going to live my life in this fantasy league. And I knew that none of y'all were going to pick it up so I could throw a buck on it. And if it comes out, that's potentially as many as like 20 points because it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a critical darling. Yeah. Um. So high risk, high reward. Yeah. Uh, Shredder's Revenge. I was so hype when I saw this game get announced. I loved that's going to be a great game. I'm still a little bit iffy if it comes out this year. Mm. They have not said this year. It's true. Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time, you know, such a beloved game. Uh, if it does come out. That was on my watch list, though. Oh, for sure. Uh, spiritual threequel of Left for Dead, uh, I, I think is oh, yeah. probably a safe pickup. You know, Call of Duty is an annual release, so I figure it's probably they're probably releasing something. I've now got, you know, theoretical rights to that game if and when it is announced uh you know hood frankly i saw that it was going to come out and (laughs) was like well i'm going to just scoop that up life is strange i love the first life is strange i think that assuming that i think that's a safe if it does release on time that's probably 10 points uh and tales tales games um i think i think those are pretty pretty safe picks so i wanted to pick i wanted i think it's a safe 80 i wanted stuff that was going to make me money or big balls gilly four games or uh, lots of cash on hand for those last three slots. I'm I'm going big on E3. I'm banking on Nintendo coming in with some big time announcements. I think the other studios largely are going to be confirming or denying stuff we already have drafted. So for me, my eyes are on Nintendo uh, and potentially Square Enix. Um, potentially Square Enix for a surprise. Elden Ring, baby. Yeah, I don't know if Elden Ring. Yeah, I don't know if. <laughs> Yeah, sure. I don't know if Square Enix is going to announce anything that will be new. I think if anything, it'll just be like Final Fantasy stuff. And maybe they'll talk about that one game that nobody knows the name of with that girl that runs around and there's a motherfucking dragon. Uh, Yeah, I think I think you went fairly safe in your uh, post draft pickups, Chris. I think Breath of the Wild is the standout as far as being risky I feel like I would not have uh, tried picking that up unless there was an announcement for a date. And at that point, I would have picked it up. I've been very safe with my pickups. I've only ever drafted uh, post-game stuff with like the knowledge that they're at least aiming for this year. <laughs> Whereas there's been no indication from Nintendo that Breath of the Wild 2 is this year. <laughs> so that's risky. That's a big balls move. I gave it to you. That could easily be a 95 on Open Critic, and that shit will give you 30 points. I'm shocked not to see uh, Horizon 2, Forbidden West, on this fucking list. Nick has it. I drafted it. Oh, you picked it. That was my uh, five pick. Early pick. uh, That's smart pick. Remind me. It's not. No way it's coming out this year. Remind me what the penalty is if a game isn't coming out. Just no points. Uh, Okay, so if a game is not coming out, I can just drop it. Because nobody counterpicked it. What if it remains on your roster? It's just no points and takes up a slot. This would be no points. Okay. Yeah. But if it's counterpicked, you lose the points equal to how many points I gained, correct? No, no, no. So if it doesn't come out and it's counterpicked, you just don't lose any points for your. Uh, well, if it doesn't come out, yeah. But if, if for say, example, say for example, uh, Chris had drafted Hood Outlaws and Legends and one of us counterpicked it, we would gain four points. But if it doesn't come out, then it's just a null. Flat across the board. I thought there was like a massive penalty for like counterpicking a game that doesn't come out. I thought that, but I don't think it actually is. I think it's just a, a net zero. Dang. And the the main thing that I wanted to incorporate in this league was that from the first initial 10 that we drafted, you're free to drop any of those games 
except for ones that are counterpicked. If they're counterpicked, then you don't get to, you don't get a drop. Right. Because I wanted that counterpick to be like, no, no, motherfucker, I don't think that game's coming out. I want it to be like that sort of interplay. And then for uh, pickups after the draft, I wanted those to be no drops as yeah. well. But we can change that. I don't. I, I'm not like completely married to that idea. That was just the idea that I had for the draft that I wanted. I thought that would have an interesting uh, interplay to it. But if that turns out to be a more annoying than it is fun, it's like less. Like we're talking about with Pokemon, if that's not the tension that we want for that risk reward, I want it to be a a fair fun time for all of us you know i want this to be a competition not a a competition on picking these games not a competition on who's paying attention i just want to beat you guys at all costs even if it means <laughs> ending our friendships completely over it so and i was even thinking like maybe we incorporate a rule next year that we say hey uh i am bidding on a game and maybe not say what game we're bidding on be like hey have bids on sunday be like hey i'm bidding on a game you guys get a whole week to decide What's he bidding on? Do I want to do I want to guess what he's bidding on and try to bid against it? Do I want to let him have the thing that he's bidding on? Like we can incorporate something like that. We can talk about that and have that be a thing. This is just you know first year. This shit's hey, gonna go it's on been for fun. a while. I think it's been fun <laughs> following along and saying with you know and and I was sitting there you know I, got, I had the I had the cork board with the fucking red yarn going I'm like okay well tax boy yeah you're really concerned about your converted mana That's, cost you're goddamn right <laughs> oh my goodness. Listen. All right, let's talk about my pickups real, because real unless quick, you have something to say. Real quick. <laughs> you guys are counting me out here. And I know you're going to talk about your pickups, Nick, and they're really goddamn good. You guys are counting me out here, okay? Yeah. And yeah. I want to say, Ghostwire Tokyo, that could be good. That could come out this year. Stray could be the freaking indie darling of the year. Could be. Okay. Scarlet Nexus, you seen anything about that? That could be, okay. It doesn't It doesn't sing to me, but it could. it could surprise me. The world ends with you, bro. Come on, I'm just saying. Don't count me out yet. I'm counting you out. I don't want to count you out, but you're, you make some very suspect decisions. Say Elden Ring does come out. You counted you out. <laughs> Say it does. Four of your extra what? pickups you are worth. You picked Breath of the Wild 2 and God of War. You counted you out, <laughs> not <I'm> me. <laughs> Chris, your one pickup that has that has been <laughs> scored is a minus four It's a for minus you. four. I got lots of irons in the fire, motherfucker. All right. You have right, had your fair. irons right, come out okay, of the okay, fire. Okay, They're okay. cold. <laughs> Big balls, gilly four. <laughs> All my irons have been have been uh, 12, 18, and 18. Anyway, my pickups, I picked up uh, Battlefield because I picked that up a while ago. That was my first pickup because there was a uh, earnings call or something. They're talking about who was working on it. It's going to be, it's being worked on by a ton of studios, you know, DICE, Criterion, obviously Criterion does the the vehicle stuff, but DICE LA, which is headed up by um, Vince Zampella. He moved over there recently after Respawn decided they're not doing any more Titanfall. He is the guy. He's the dude. Big dick swing and Vince Zampella. So I think that the next Battlefield game is going to be pretty awesome. You think that's going to be a end of the year release versus like a February, yes, March? that's a November. That's a November it's game. confirmed? Okay. I mean, that's what they said. It could easily be delayed because games get delayed because pandemic, but yeah. I think that's a November game. I think they're shooting for November, and I think that's not like a super risky pick for me because EA will put out a game. They'll put it out at the very least. It could come out bad, but I think it's coming out, which I think I'd, obviously you don't want a game to be picked that's going to be shitty, but if it comes out, it's going to be good. If it doesn't come out, then I can drop it or I can't drop it, but I can stick with a zero. That's fine. Uh, I picked up Final Fantasy 16 Endwalker because the people who love or Final Fantasy 14, excuse me, 
the people who love 14 are so horny for it. This is easy going to be a 90 plus. Easy. Easy. Count on it. Uh, Mario Golf, obviously, we talked about that. Uh, same with Pokemon. Picked up It Takes Two because of preview coverage. Surprised it got an 88. I think that's really high for a game like that. I was expecting like low 80s, but high 80s is, you know, I'm not going to complain, but was not expecting that. Monster Hunter Stories 2, I don't think it's going to be like a high 80s game. I think it's going to be like a low 80s, high 70s because it is like Babby RPG. And that's kind of what I expect for a niche title like that. But I just, I'm excited for it personally. And that colored my, my decision making skills. And then Game Builder Garage and Lost Judgment were both the same week. I think Game Builder Garage has the potential to be a Labo situation where it's like it's a cool thing, but it's not going to score well. Or like how uh, Famicom Detective Club did for you, EJ, where it's just like, this is weird. I mean, it could easily be a bad game, but it has the potential to get like dreams like reviews, which that was reviewed fairly high as well. And The Lost Judgment it's another uh, Yakuza studio game. Coming out September, I think that's a that's a pretty safe pickup as well. Hey, listen, if it's not negative points, you're doing all right. Yeah, I just don't want to have a bunch of uh, clunkers that are zero or below because that way slots. If we only have twenty games that we can pick, I've got two more slots on my pickups. Chris has three, and you have one, unless you drop any of your initial draft. Um, I, the only ones I would drop, I can't drop because they've been counterpicked. <laughs> Unless uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five gets delayed till next year, then you could easily drop that and pick something else. To me, it seems strange that if something gets delayed, there's no penalty. It's just like, oh, I can just drop it and get a new game. Well, that that was all part of the the league options. Okay, where I said that you can drop initial draft games unless they're counterpicked. So of the the ten games you picked, that would basically mean at max that six of your games would be counterpicked based on what we're picking if we pick three of your games each, which would be kind of a stretch. Yeah. Well, coming up, what do we have coming up in the next? Biomutant is the next on the docket. That's coming out in, uh, that's coming out next week on Tuesday. Listen, man, Biomutant could do some things. I'm just saying it could be one of those games. Greg Miller gets a hold of it. Next thing you know, it's gotten 86, even though everyone's complaining. I'm just saying. Well, I don't think they're uh, submitting scores to Open Critic, so yeah, you might want to. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> that's it's a little bit risky. I think Guilty Gear is going to do really well for me, and I think Game Builder is going to do okay. Then you got Ratchet and Clank same day. We got three six eleven games, <laughs> which is absurd. That's interesting. Head to head, so you got oh Game Builder Garage comes out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what that does. But I like that it's close so far, and it's only close, mind you, because of my pickups so far. Um, Nick, you would be well behind right now if not for your it takes two pickup that was a good pickup well i mean it only ma- i've got three games picked up and i'm competitive i've got more points than you with five six you have six games and no none of your counter picks and i've got three games and one of my counter picks yeah i mean yeah there's 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 a lot of room for this to shake out we don't know what's happening with games like you know horizon halo far cry hollow knight I mean, that was your number one pick, and it, it, it. I mean, if it comes out this year, that's probably a ninety yeah. or a ninety plus. But I don't know. We've heard nothing, so. Yeah, and neither of you counterpicked it, so I'm free to drop it. Can you and pick up something else at the end of the year? Can you if they confirm it's not coming out? Additional things. No, it's only at the initial draft that you counterpick. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, because in my mind, if anything, it would be it would be like a side thing where I was talking about like the betting. Like I bet that doesn't come out. Like that could be a. 
a thing that we incorporate later on. Yeah. I, I could check out the other settings to see what other options we have as far as post uh, draft counterpicking or something similar to that. Yeah. I uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad Grand Treason was not coming out this year. So I, it's not like I got like a negative 20 bomb, you know, because something wasn't coming out. But it feels like, oh, I just got to drop a game. It's like, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe there should be a penalty. Maybe that will make it like unfun. Who knows? Something to consider, but I like that it's competitive so far. Nick, you look to be in the lead, definitely. We'll see what happens here, man. We'll see what happens. There's a lot of room here for things to change, especially coming off of COVID. Things are weird right now. I know you know E3 is like every year it becomes less and less of an event, which means developers don't have a date on the calendar that they're shooting for, you know, anymore if, yeah, if everyone's been very loose with their uh their announcements as far as when's this coming out they're like uh this year right it feels Maybe. <laughs> how many developers are going to come into e3 being like we have to have a big announcement it's got to come out this year like, it feels like that's less important this year than it has any other year and it's been diminishing for for half a decade at least maybe i still think there's 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 stuff that hasn't been announced Right, I think th- that's obvious that these developers are still making games. They're still starting games. They're still, you know, figuring out marketing pushes and like what's their year look like. And I think a lot of that did get pushed back and will continue to be pushed back. But I don't think it's going to be a everyone holding their breath until 2022. I think there's still going to be we're halfway especially with companies like Chris talking about Square Enix. Like, yeah, if you think about Square Enix and like what their what their uh, their past shows is they are very like to <laughs> talk about a game that doesn't come out till 2025. I mean, freaking kingdom hearts three showed up at E3 2015 and that game didn't come out until uh, January, 2019. So, well, th- this is, this is uh, goes to my point. I think is that there have been some clunkers lately that developers are probably taking a cue from in, you know, not announcing games so far in advance. So I think you're going to see fewer E3 announcements. And likewise, there are probably games in development that, you know, they weren't announced six months, 12 months, two years, five years ago that like, why would we think that some of these big bombs are going to come out this year if they haven't been announced? I think the philosophy is changing for these developers and these companies as we move forward. But I feel like we're in this in-between window where like things haven't yet been announced um, and they're going to want to announce closer to release where would they have found the time between when they want to announce things two years early and when they want to announce things three months early or six months early? When would they have time to have changed that philosophy? I don't think we're going to get these E3 bombs that are going to come out three months later. We're halfway through the year. We're in June, man. Like, now I'm not saying some things couldn't happen, but like Breath of the Wild 2 is not going to get announced in fucking, you know, July and then come out two months later. Like, it's not going to happen. I it's disagree. Not. I completely disagree. I, hey, you know, Look Obviously, at, you picked it. I know, and I picked it seriously. What does Nintendo have releasing this holiday season? Nothing. They have zero. They have zero flagpole titles announced for the entire rest of the year. Like, sorry, Mario Golf and Pokemon the Welcome remake to part four of the last ten years of Nintendo releases. I mean, if you picked Hyrule Warriors last year, you would have gotten up a good. You would have gotten some good points on that. And that wasn't announced till September. <laughs> Nintendo has had two really strong holiday showings since the Wii U launched. Let's let's fact check it, man. I'm telling you, like for them to just come out and be like, all right, like, yeah, they don't have a, a great holiday game. That sounds like Nintendo to me, you know? Well, I know last year, Hyrule Warriors was a late announcement and came out 
the year before that 2019 would have been uh link's awakening is september so that's not quite a holiday but after that was pokemon sword and shield which yep. uh reviewed fairly well yep uh astral train was summer fire emblem was spring of that year yeah i can't remember exactly all that came out 2019 uh 2018 was uh super fucking smash brothers yeah uh i think other games came out before that and then year before that 2017 mario odyssey i was gonna say like i'm looking at this right now mario odyssey was in the odyssey first year. holiday yes sir oh, yeah that was october yeah it was and, like a march game and i'm counting that no it was october that was a a flagship title that they had coming out like yeah you just said it super smash brothers um no, I don't agree at all. I th- I think I I think that's I, I think that's a big stretch to go. Oh yeah, they don't have any they don't have any holiday and any holiday titles. Yeah, the latest they've talked about for this year is uh, Skyward Sword, and they're still they still like shadow drop information. They just had a couple videos come out earlier today that uh, there's going to be an amiibo for Skyward Sword. Like they they're not shy about talking about stuff a couple months before stuff comes out. I agree with you. That's why I didn't pick it. But right. I think it's still fair to say that there can be third party like options as far as like who's d- developing for them right. and making a game. Like they could easily announce and release a Kirby game and that would be like an 85. Yeah. You easy. Know? No. It could be like Robobot 2. Hal is working on stuff. Something's coming out. Koei Tecmo could be working on other. I mean, they could be doing their, their Fire Emblem remake. That's been rumored for a long time. Metroid could, could pop up. They can do many things that aren't necessarily like the biggest of the big, but it's still like a big deal for their their holiday. Like I would, yeah. I would put Hyrule Warriors as a, you know, that's not a massive, huge big deal game, but that game sold like six million copies. That's a shit ton of people that's playing crazy. that game. That's crazy. That's crazy. It was the best selling Warriors game of all time. That's insane to me. That means we're getting another fucking goddamn Warriors. And it game. scored really well. It's fun. Did you? Yeah. I played the original on Wii U, and I had a blast couch co uping that with my roommate. Had a I blast. Like the first one. Yeah, I played the demo. I had a solid like 10 hours, maybe a little bit more with Hyrule Warriors. I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. I might, especially if they put out a new Switch and they make that frame rate a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit more consistent. Give me some anti-aliasing and I'll play anything. I'm a sucker. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm a sucker. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Anything I feel like they announce, um, they won't announce anything at E3. They'll have their direct week after E3 because that's what they fucking do. No, their direct will be at E3. You think? It's confirmed. Yeah, for sure. They, oh. do, a, they do a summer direct. They're, they're at... They're not like a third party that's, hey, we'll be there in that we'll show a game in a, <laughs> in, like, they're not, they're not one to be like, you're not going to see a video with a bunch of Xbox things and then a Nintendo thing, you know? This isn't Game Awards. This is summer and Nintendo doesn't, hasn't said anything about that's anything that's happening post-August. Yeah. Okay. So if anything, if anywhere they're going to show something for the next six months, it'll be at E3. I think that's pretty safe to say. Xbox... So will be more like the most they can announce would be, hey, this is what th- these three like indie studios that we picked up are doing, or here's a ID at Xbox, because they show 12 minutes at E3 2019. And that's one of your picks, EJ. Like, there could still be these big, like, sort of important indie darlings that show up at E3. I think that's a very good place for them, especially I, since yeah. it's not the time for the big AAA things to show off. But will they come out in the next six months? Games are coming out in the next six months. And the ones that are important that people are putting the big marketing dollars behind and that are going to get reviewed by a lot of big outlets are going to be the ones shown at E3. Elden Ring. I still have hope then. If, if y'all <laughs> think Breath of the Wild could come out this year, Elden Ring should fucking come out this year. I think that's a no for both of those. Probably. Personally. Probably. Silk Song, I also think very easily could be a no. No show. Yeah. Big balls. Oh well. Big balls. Big balls. I got my junk in big. a wheelbarrow. 
<laughs> oh, that that image was so upsetting, but I earned it. Uncanny. I was horrifying. Yeah. yeah, you really did that to yourself and then also to us by extension. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Thanks, Cody. <laughs> before we before we bounce out of here, someone I want to just talk about we've texted about Nick, but I just want to I want to get on the record, okay? Sure. Oh boy. Magic the Gathering. And I'm out. Yeah, it's a good game. A lot of fun. Uh, Chris, good to, good to sit at a table. As a fucking D&D nerd, you would love Magic. He only hates it because his brother plays it. No, I've played oh D&D God. like five times. I just happen to be playing it right now as like 1.5 of those times. Like I I just okay. stopped All being right. into card games when I turned 18 and became a real boy. Hey, the next set of Magic is D&D based. It is, which I have mixed feelings about for sure. It's weird that's a standard set. They've done like weird crossover stuff because obviously Hasbro or is it Hasbro is a Wizards or does Hasbro own was I don't know. Hasbro anyway, own Wasi? yeah, I, I don't know. So I've been playing a lot of Magic Arena, a lot of Magic Arena every day, all day. I've been drafting several times uh, a day if I can get a couple in, you know, before bed. Uh, trying to climb the uh, ranked standard ranked ladder. You know, a couple years ago, we talked about, you know, when I was getting back into collecting my childhood Pokemon collection and, and picking some of those up, which thank God I did because the prices in the last 18 months on those cards has just skyrocketed. Time to sell. Uh, no, hell Time no. to get out of that. I'm keeping those. That's my childhood right there. Sell your childhood for your future. <laughs> Whatever, man. I, yeah, what I loved about, about kind of getting into that is it brought me back to Magic. And Magic Arena had come out that year, that summer, um, I believe, that I had started doing that. Um, Sounds right. And, and so I started playing Magic Arena a little bit, and it was really cool. I think Magic Arena it has its flaws, but it's a really great way to play Magic, uh, especially given COVID. So this summer, it came out on iPad and iOS, and I didn't realize that. Um, and as soon as I did, I immediately I got back into it because now I can play it. You know, I don't have to be like hooked into the fucking matrix here at my desk. I can just be in bed on my phone or or on my iPad or whatever. So anyway, I've been playing a ton of that. I love Magic. You, you and your some of your buds introduced me to Magic like this ten years ago at this point. Yeah, roughly. And we played for years, and then I moved away, and I kind of just fell out of it because I didn't have a play group. And you know, when I came back, we would play EDH or whatever, but I just didn't have a way to keep up with it until Arena. So anyway, shout out to that, Nick. I wish you would play Arena so that we could play. I played with Dre a little bit, but. Uh, when I'm not watching Warzone videos, I'm watching LSV draft. I'm watching Ben Stark draft. I'm watching old Pro Tour videos, which once upon a time, I had watched every single Pro Tour ever filmed front to back, all of the top eight matches and shit. Like I like in like probably like 2013, early 2014, every night at work, I was just watching That's eight hours of yeah. Pro Tour there's coverage. Been, there's been eight, eight years of those since then, which um, is probably twice as much as you could watch at that point. I don't know when they started filming them. Right. <laughs> Well, they, they did away with the Pro Tour a couple years ago, and they did the MPL, and they just ended the MPL this year, and now we don't know what the future of competitive magic looks like. But weird. anyway, the next set, yeah, is Dungeons & Dragons, which is like weird to me. I, I'm so used to there being blocks, and then like a, a core set, and then a different block, but now they changed that to like, okay, we're going to do two block sets, and then it's just weird. So now it's just each one is a new thing, and it's a new place, and then they, they do away with it, and that seems really weird to me and i wonder how long they're gonna keep that up and what what that looks like magic's a weird game i think it's got the least amount of like power creep and like obviously you still get the 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 obviously extremely pushed cards as far as competitive play and the ones that are like the chase rares and the chase mythics and they they want to support commander edh but they also 
don't do a great job at that. And there's a lot of sort of tension between the player base and the, the people making the game. And they're very slow to pick up on things like everything's planned out three years in advance. So nothing actually changes for way too long. But I, th- I still think that Magic the Gathering is probably the best competitive card game that's been made and has and I don't see anything coming out that will like dethrone it. I think Hearthstone is probably the best competitive card game that isn't on paper. But now that Magic Arena exists and as that keeps expanding backwards, if they keep expanding backwards, then it's I think it has a possibility of dethroning Hearthstone, especially since Activision has been really fucking up the Blizzard side of things. And people are not exactly happy with the direction Hearthstone has been going in either. I yeah I never I never could get into that and I appreciate that like magic which is like the you know OG TCG if magic is chocolate milk Hearthstone is YooHoo no you're right man like I I, having never really played magic this is a game that has I've been aware of its presence for like literally my entire life like there is there is to me absolutely no competition um in terms of the most ubiquitous the most popular the most staying power for a physical card game of all time. And l- like you said, as, as, uh, as arena continues to expand, I mean, yeah, like uh, digital card games, I know of hearthstone and that's it. And like yeah. Gwent tried to kind of nudge into that and didn't. Um, so I liked Gwent. I did. Gwent was a cooler side game in a real game than it was a standalone game. The standalone game improved it in every way and added like quite a bit of depth to it, but it's just, it's a hard market to break into. And, you see these guys from the magic community trying to split off and do their own card games and do these things. And you know, there's, there's a whole host of new things cropping up every year. And it's just, you know, like you said with magic, like here for me, like getting into the new set, especially like, and I think the last 10 years, their focus has been like so much tighter than looking at the previous 10 or so years. Um, and like just the the flavor and how tight some of the designs are, and some of the uh, mechanics have gotten a little, little crazy. And it's a lot to keep up with, especially when it's like every three months. There's like a whole you're just getting hit over the head with new mechanics. Whereas when they were doing the block thing, and you're looking at an entire year, um, things you ease into things a little easier. Now it's just like you're getting right. beat over the head, and literally every three months you're like, wait, wait, there's a whole new. I've never heard of this. This is like three, four new mechanics that you're trying to keep track of and learning the new draft metas and like how does this affect standard? And now Arena has all these old formats, you know, historic. Yeah, just formats in general is is maddening to try and wrap your head around with, you know, vintage isn't really supported, but there's still legacy, I think, and there's still modern and Pioneer tried to break through, but I don't think it really did. And there's standard and there's draft. And well, it's, yeah. it's very complicated. Pioneer was sort of DOA just given the timing of things with like, the pro tour ending and then and the then pandemic the pandemic. Um, <laughs> but it's a really great idea where it's like, Hey, we want to do something like modern where the yeah, power mad, is mod, modern light. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, these cards are accessible standard plus. <laughs> right. Exactly. Magic is just a great game, man. I was listening to Mark Rosewater drive to work talking about the Strixhaven design. And it was like so illuminating things that I didn't even realize. That I started thinking about conceptually. I started going back and reading flavor on cards and seeing how it all tied together. I'm like, this is just such a well fucking designed set. And I started diving into, you know, Kaldheim, which I missed. Things like Thorn of Drain, like just like tightly designed, so much flavor. I love when the world and the atmosphere informs the mechanics. I think it's harder to do like Theros, the, the, the Theros sequel just kind of fell flat, I think, because 
because of that top-down philosophy. It's like, well, we we kind of already did everything, so now we're kind of right. like trying to iterate on an iteration. Revisiting. That, right. Yeah, it's been weird how they've revisited some sets like a lot more or a lot sooner after the original. Like, how many times have they freaking been to Ravnica? I think it's been three or four times. Yeah. We're and sick there's it. nothing interesting about Ravnica. It's just sort of like Italy, but the world is right. one city. Whereas a place like Theros, it's like, oh, it's just, it's Greek mythology right. or call time. It's like Viking stuff. Or uh, what was the set that had like the Mayan and Incan, like the central South American, like dinosaurs and shit and pirates. Yeah, Ixalan. Like, that was super tight. Yeah, Very Ixalan cool. was super tight. Or Amonkhet even, where it's like you're, you're getting like ancient Egyptian, but like Innistrad. aliens. Ah. Innistrad, and we're going back to Innistrad, two blocks coming yeah, up I this know. year. Which I don't know. Like they, they already brought back like that. They did the Elder God thing with Innistrad. They, they they pulled a Bloodborne where they went with the werewolves and the angels and the, the vampires and stuff. But then they also brought the Eldritch Horror stuff to it. So I wonder what the what the sequel for that's going to look like. I'm so excited. I'm I think excited. Magic it has the best of best of both worlds where mechanically it just works and they've established it over the past 25 or so years and each like every three months it changes and adds new things and they go to a new place and they i think if anything i would agree with you that the past few sets it seems like they've really gotten their shit together and i do like that the art has gotten a lot better that was a big problem i had with like post innistrad where everything was just that sort of soulless this art is like every other art I've seen. All these characters are like a 3D model, but drawn. And that was really disappointing. But I think they've got they've gotten a lot of really good artists lately. Yeah, and they've, a lot of diversity. There's a little bit more identity going on with those. Right. What I don't like is that it seems like every set has 10 or 12 different variations of all these cards. And there's like full art. There's frameless. There's borderless. Yeah. It's a little, they're doing the Pokemon thing where it's just absurd how many different printings all these goddamn cards have. Yeah, I agree. Which and I'm it, sure is great for collectors, and they're really trying to push that collector market because that's how they right. get people to crack packs. But it just makes it very confusing for me where I'm looking at a card and it's like Scryfall's like, which printing do you want? Do you want one of these 13 printings? I'm like this card came out last year. Right. Why is there so many printings of it? I will say though, is things like Secret Lair and Collector's Booster Boxes and accessibility with Magic Arena online has oh, made. Sucks single prices plummet comparatively. That's good. It's cheaper than it's ever been. Uh, cheaper than it's been since we've been playing, I, I should say. And that's great. It's like, let the let the weirdos chase the fucking mythical archives and the weird Japanese borderless and the etched foils. I don't care about that. I just want the cards to play. Yeah, if they want to play with Pringles, they can. Or if they want to put their Pringles in a drawer and not look at them ever again. Chris, if you don't know, these uh, foil cards all the time, I don't know why they haven't fixed it. They always curve. Yeah. So they all look like Pringles. That's frustrating. It's because the, um, the whole yeah. layer, they foil the whole layer underneath, I, I believe, oh. um, as opposed to just foiling part of it. And so what happens when the moisture, moisture. evaporates out of it, they curl. Um, and I guess it's probably just way cheaper to do it, you know, a flat layer of hollow and then print over it as opposed to like, we just want to do a layer just in the, in the, in the frame where the art is, whatever. Um, right. But anyway, Magic Arena. If you, magic is like chess meets poker meets all the nerdy things you've ever loved, and every set has is, is you know so diverse and there's so much flavor. Right now, the set is called Strixhaven. It's magical school, which of course you think Harry Potter trope. It is not irritatingly derivative the way that maybe I would have thought going into it. It is actually 
it's more school tropes than magic school tropes or magic tropes. And there's a lot of really interesting things the way they do. Like Nick, they have the enemy colors. Um, yeah, I've seen that. And it's just I know it's strict cool. saving, bro. Come on. You still keep up. You don't play, which I wish you would, but you keep up and I respect that. I only don't play because I don't want to play Arena because every time I've played Arena, I haven't had a good time with it. And I'm not about to crack into Magic Online. Nah, that's that's a whole other beast. It's it's. And I don't want to be spending too. money on paper cards that I'm not playing with my friends. Like nobody else wants to jump into it, so I'm not going to be the one spending my own money to beat people that aren't like play with yeah, Josh and Joey. Deal. That's the one problem I have with like collector card games and trading card games is that it is a mutual assured destruction until it's not like one person wants to spend more money than other people, then it turns into the tryhard of the group and yeah. I know that's me and I don't want to be that. I want to have fun with my friends more than I do spend my money dumbly. <laughs> this is what's so cool about things like Popper and Brawl even. I think Brawl's great. I've played in a few Brawl tournaments. Playing things like EDH Commander. Like There are formats where you can spend no money, be competitive, have fun. And that's the beauty of Magic. And I think post-COVID, you feel like, guess what, man? Not a lot of us are doing much of anything. It shouldn't be hard to be like, hey, every Thursday we're going to get together at 7 o'clock and we're going to... Uh, or every Saturday, whatever, I don't know, whatever it is. What Second Saturday of the month, we're going to get together and eat pizza and drink beer and play Magic. And it's like, you know, yeah, feels like And that. we did that a lot, like uh, a little less than 10 years ago. Like we, we really did. We really yeah. did spend a lot of time playing EDH. And I loved that. And it was a lot of fun, especially with a format like EDH where the turns take forever anyway. And it's just like us sitting around a table and hanging out in a, in a garage and somebody's just smoking a ton of weed. Listening to music. You and, know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was good. It's good times, but I think that's a lot harder to do as we get older. Obviously, we're discovering that as as the thirties start coming and well, they don't stop coming. You know what? You know what it is is when we're when we're young, we're teenagers, we're early twenties. We have no real responsibility. Maybe we have a job, whatever. It's it's like, well, we're just gonna see what are we doing Friday night. We just figure it out. It's like now we have to we have to like plan for what the fuck we're doing. You know, like Chris, whenever he, I'd be like, oh, Mondays I have this thing, Tuesdays I have this thing, whatever. It's like we just have to be. Like put 5% effort into just being like, all right, we're going to do this on this day and we're going to just like, it's part of our schedule. And, you know, yeah, it'd be nice to just be like, we have nothing going on and we're just going to live by the seat of our pants and we're going to see what the fuck we're doing on any given night. But you know what? It's take a little more planning to see the boys and that's fine, especially coming out of COVID. Listen, man, this last week, I've seen a lot of people one-on-ones. I'm not going to restaurants. I'm not going to bars. I'm not going to fucking movie theaters. I'm keeping it one-on-one still. I'm keeping it chill. I'm vaxxed. I'm waxed. I'm ready to relax, baby. I saw Max this weekend. Yeah, Nick, I was going to hit you up, but you're already fucking at work by the time I was free and at home. At least I'm assuming you were on Sunday evening. Sunday night? Yeah, Sunday night. Yeah. But anyway, it, you know, I saw, I, I shot a music video. You know, I, I finally went into my parents' house for the first time in 14 months or since Christmas 2019, I guess, was the last time I was at my parents' house. So I, you're vaxxed. I'm going to come into town one of these nights and I want to come and bother you way too much and make sure. you wish I mean, for another You're welcome to. I just I just know Let's it took go! us 3 months to rec- <laughs> took us 3 months to record this podcast. I know, man. I know. Well, <laughs> hey, I got a new job. I'm fully remote. Um, dude, congrats. I'm pretty That's flexible awesome. on, you know, I, I mean I'm freelancing. I took a big job with a client, so like I still have a lot of flexibility, but there're going to be weeks where I just don't work. I don't have any right. self, you know, whatever and so i'm like all right great i am hopefully doing well enough with him that i can be like i don't have to work for a few weeks i'm not going to stress i'm going to go hang out at my parents for a week you know hopefully not get Lindsay mad at me because i'm 
trying to take you away from your guys' hangs. It's going to happen. Yeah, Lindsay, let's hang. <laughs> Does Lindsay know how to play magic? Uh, she's played a couple times. I don't care. I, I'm down to literally do anything. I could nap on your couch while you nap in the bed, Nick. I just being around my friends again, okay? <laughs> mm, co-op nappage. You know, that's, Daisy's going to love that. Dude, that's honestly me and Brandon. He'll come to Eugene for three, four nights at a time. And we just we just order takeout, sit on the couch, trade naps off. Maybe we'll play a little bit of video game. It's just being with the boys and we're <laughs> yeah. being lazy. He works hard, you know, so it's just it's just chilling. Anyway. Well, we got to get Chris back in the old, uh, the old Gresham territory so we can all crash his grandma's place and hang out at the lake. Oh, it's going to happen. Man. It's totally gonna I'm gonna happen. Come up to Alaska, bro. I'm gonna come bug you, man. You you gonna have a place to yourself before it's all said and done? Yeah, yeah. I'll be. Uh, I'll I'll have a a lot of space from like mid June to the end of July. Uh, yeah, come up see that family that you've you've uh, not seen in a long time, and we'll go uh, we'll go walk around the mountains and play games and uh, do co op napping. If you look, just look at EJ's physique, and you can see he's a hiker. <laughs> hiker from Pokemon, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. <laughs> I do, I do do a lot of walking. Uh, it's not on an incline usually. Those poor ankles. <laughs> yeah, normally I'm like 40 minutes from a toilet, not four hours. So, hey, when you're outside, everywhere is your toilet. I have There's never no pooped outside in my life. We're popping that lived. cherry. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, no. <laughs> We're popping right. your outside right. poop cherry. <laughs> yeah, that pussy. <laughs> I hate this. Console Crusade Podcast. (laughs) Oh, it's been good, fellas. Let's count this bitch down.